You may be living with a lot of unknowns right now. Work, relationship, and health issues may be on your mind. Well, today, Pastor Daniel offers you a hopeful reminder. God is a master working in impossible situations. In fact, you'll learn that he never stacks the deck in his favor. God often uses broken people and seemingly hopeless circumstances to do amazing things. He is real and wants to do incredible things in your life if you'll let him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Numbers chapter 13 as he continues his message, Spy Stories. God is sending them on an errand and he's got instructions, right? I want you to go up this way into the south, go up to the mountains. So start in the south, up towards the mountains. I want you to see what the land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether there's few or many. Now, you might be saying, why is all this in here? Because this was before a time of Google Earth. It was before the time of the internet where you can pull up pictures of your favorite place that you want to visit and you can read Wikipedia about what all the people are like. The children of Israel had never gone on a vacation because they had been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. They didn't have paid vacation. They didn't have airplanes. They just worked, and their parents worked, and their parents' parents worked, and they'd never been to this place before, and they have no clue what they're getting themselves into. Try and imagine that life. Can you even fathom? Like, Imagine there's a whole world out there that you can't even see. It's, it sounds absurd, but literally, our generation takes all this stuff for granted. Where if you want to learn something, you just go on your mobile device, you borrow your friends, you just pop it up, and boom, you have pictures and videos and this and that. You can read five different perspectives on how it got there. They had never been here before. So they had no information. They were a blank slate, and they're saying, we need to know everything. What's it like? Is there a lot of people? Are they strong? What about the cities? Are they camps or are they strongholds? Are they walled cities or are they just little squatter camps? The land, is it rich? Is it good land? Can, is it rich in the sense, can we cultivate it and grow crop or is it a poor land? And then notice what it says in verse 20, because I do think this is important. He says, be of good courage. Be of good courage. Remember I started by saying the problem with walking by faith is that you got to walk by faith? You don't need courage when you're walking by sight because you know exactly what you're dealing with. 
But when it comes to walking by faith, we need to be of good courage. Whenever I think of courage, of course, I think of the Wizard of Oz, right? I think of the lion who lacks courage. And in a lot of ways, that's a great picture of our lives, isn't it? If you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, be of good courage. If God is asking you to step out in faith, you can trust the lion of the tribe of Judah. You can trust Jesus. He wants you to believe that he is who he says he is. But I realize it's very easy to be timid. Very easy. Very easy to shrink back. Because we don't know what's going to happen. And we don't know how it's going to work out. And what if, and the could happens, and the might happens. Can I encourage you all to be naive in Jesus' name? Because oftentimes, God's plans If you were to do a cost-benefit analysis of it, it's a bad gig. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. God never stacks the deck in his favor. There's so many examples, isn't there? Like, you have the children of Israel, they've been slaves forever, now they're going to go take this land. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh yeah, and he chose Moses to be the leader. He was a murderer, fled for his life. Loner. Can you imagine what it was like for Moses to be reintroduced to the children of Israel after spending 40 years with his bride and just a bunch of sheep? Sure, he was socially well-adjusted at that point. You know, you just go through the Bible. You have King David. I was just reading that. When Samuel came to anoint King David, his dad didn't even ask for David to be there. Jesse knew for sure that one of the other sons was going to be the one that God chose. Samuel says, bring all your sons here. And David doesn't even get an invite. I mean, think about that. You can imagine later David thinking, why wasn't I called in the first time? He asked for all the brothers. Because nobody expected young, my translation says ruddy, which means wet behind the ears. It means rosy cheeked. Just a little kid. And all of David's brothers were these strapping warriors, strong men. And David's just a little whippersnapper. And sure enough, when Jesse's first son walks in, Samuel's like, this has got to be the guy. He's strong. He's handsome. He's going to lead our people. And I was like, no, no, Samuel, you're looking at the externals. I'm looking at the heart. That ain't my dude. Finally, are we done? And all the brothers, and they said, well, there is, you know, David, the, the little whippersnapper. He's out just taking care of the sheep, you know. That's my guy. Doesn't make any sense. No logic. Oh, and then, of course, David, great, right? There's Goliath and the Philistines. And all the big warriors, the army rangers, the navy seals of the, of the Israeli army at that time. Nobody wanted to go up against Goliath. He was too strong. And then David shows up. David's not even in the army. He hasn't been trained in the army. He's there to bring his brother's lunch. He's the waitstaff. And he gets there and he hears Goliath taunting the Lord, really, by taunting the armies of Israel. And David, the waiter, is mad. Who does this Philistine think he is? Calling out the armies of the Lord of hosts. And his brothers are like, David... Shut up. That's what they say to him. Get out of here. Oh, dude, you're here delivering supplies. Get out of here. 
You guys know the story. It makes no sense, but it makes total sense. And I believe God calls us to things that are so much bigger than we can realize because God knows if he sends people like you and me, only he can get the glory. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, that no flesh would glory in his presence. God does that because he calls us out so that everyone would know, everyone would know that only God could do that. I just had it this week. I, it's fun being here at Crossroads, you know? I'm in the family room. I meet someone. They're like, man, you are much shorter than you look. <laughs> it's like, look, you don't need a tall guy to open up God's word and say, this is what it says. You know, it's like God uses knuckleheads. And when God uses a knucklehead, then God gets the glory. Because everyone's like, well, it's definitely not the knucklehead's fault that this all happened. And that's a super encouragement because God loves choosing people who can't do it. And then he does it and they say, wow, what God did? Like, I didn't do anything. I mean, who, who can do that? And that's why when Jesus came, when he called his disciples, did he go to the, to the rabbinical school and say, I need the smartest, I need your valedictorian, your salutatorian, and the guy who should have been valedictorian, but he got caught cheating on the mission exam. He didn't do that. He picked a fisherman, a couple sets of brothers. And we talked about John in, earlier in worship, the son of thunder. John had anger management problems. He picked a tax collector. They hated tax collectors. I mean, it's a, it's a motley crew and not the home sweet home band motley crew, but like, a, like just a mixed up group of guys. And they turned the whole Roman Empire right side up in one generation. I say all that to encourage you to be of good courage. God is looking for available knuckleheads. Most of us, because we're knuckleheads, we don't make ourselves available, though. We're so caught up in, I don't got it going, and I'm all messed up, and I made a mistake, and this. And it's like, no, no, no. God knew that. That's why Jesus came, and he died, and he rose again. That's why you believe in him, because you know, and I know, and God knows that we don't have it together, and that's why we believe in Jesus. But because of that, that we say, Lord, I'm just in. What do you want to do? How do you want to use my life? And I believe that be of good courage. It just kind of, as I was studying this and preparing this, those words just kind of flew off the page and just splattered in my heart. Be of good courage. See, God knew and Moses knew that they were taking a step of faith. They were going into a land they'd never seen. They had never been landowners, not in their recent memory, 400 years in Egypt. After Joseph died and new pharaohs came up, they didn't know what it was like to have their own land. Didn't know. Be of good courage. Bring back some fruit of the land. And so in verse 21, we start getting the spying campaign. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath and they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahaman, Sheshai, and Thalmai. And the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eskol and there cut down a branch with 
One cluster of grapes, they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eskol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So the journey of the spies began in the southernmost part of the land, which is the wilderness of Zin, and then took them to the northernmost part of the land, which is Rehob, and it was about 250 miles in each direction, and it took them about 40 days. Now, I know if you've studied your Bible at all, you realize that 40 days ends up being a pretty solid round number that you get a lot. So you have this common time, 40 days. Now, what's interesting about this is they travel all through the land, and we learn here that when they get the fruit, the size of the grape cluster is so big that they carried it between two of them on a pole. Now, I don't know when the last time you went to Fred Meyer's was and you needed two people to carry out a cluster of grapes. But I do know when you go into Fred Meyer's and those grapes are really big, or if you like Safeway, or if you're like, it's only going to be Whole Foods, whole paycheck for you, praise God, or Chuck's or whatever. It's like, you like big grapes, right? Now, this grape cluster is so big that they literally, two guys one guy has the front pole, and then one guy's got the back, and they have this big grape cluster. Now, can we just all agree that this was before miracle Grow, like, you know, uh, you know, fruit steroid? Like, that's a pretty big fruit cluster. So what we're learning is that this land is exceedingly good. The fruit in this land is luxurious, decadent even. This is like going to get, you know, you know when your wife sends you to go get the little ice creams and you come back with a bucket of Ben and Jerry's? It's kind of that kind of thing. You, know, you guys know the little, never mind. I don't want to tempt you guys. But that always happens. It's like, you want to go get one of those little personal ice creams and I come back with like, I got four versions of Ben and Jerry's. I got one Froyo though, because I'm healthy. Anyway, that's what it is. They think they're going to go get some grapes, and they come back with so much fruit that two guys got to carry it. Now, imagine these guys walking back into the camp with this. Everyone's just like, oh. So look at what happens. In verse 26, now they departed to come back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them to all the congregation and show them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Now, they come back here with information and everybody has the exact same information. You find out that they start saying, this land, it truly flows with milk and honey. Now, we've talked about this before. The idea of the promised land flowing with milk and honey speaks of 
overwhelming abundance. So flowing with milk, it's not like they have little like, uh, you know, uh, rivers and creeks with, you know, vitamin D pasteurized milk in it. The idea is that it's good for grazing. And because it's good for grazing, all of the cattle is producing abundance amount of milk. So it's a good land for animals, which causes it to flow with milk. And the idea of honey, of course, and some of you guys are, are uh, bee folks, uh, a climate where, look at all the bee folks, like, yeah, Pastor D. You know, I love it you guys do, do honey, because then you guys give me little jars of it, and I love it too, so thank you. But you know what I mean? The idea of it flowing with honey, that was a delicacy as it is today. It was a delicacy in that culture. It wasn't like everybody just had bees. It wasn't like you just go into your favorite supermarket and buy the little honey bear or whatever. You know, or you go to the farmer's market and you buy some good local honeybees from one of the folks here at Crossroads who makes good, who makes good honey. It was a special treat for people. And it was the only natural sweetener. You realize that there was sugar cane and then there was honey. There was no stevia. There was no uh, aspartame. They didn't get brain tumors back then. Be careful with the aspartame, by the way. Just so you guys know, it's not good for you. Be careful with that stuff. That's a side note from your pastor. I love you. Be careful with that stuff. Anyway, a land flowing with milk and honey is a place of blessing. We're all, it's the best of the land. And they're excited about it. But notice what they say. They say, and this is the fruit. So you have it's good for grazing. There's all the sweetness of the land with the, with the honey. And hey, and check out the fruit. And we have these huge pieces of fruit, right? But notice, nevertheless, that's a contrasting word, right? So like, look, this is great land. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, the descendants of Anak are there. So even though God gave them the land, now there's fear. There's fear now. It's not a healthy place for them. They're scared now. The people are strong. It's not just camps. There's fortified cities. There's walled cities there. The descendants of Anak are there. And Anak was a tribe of really large people. They were big. It was like a tribe of Shaquille O'Neal's. Yao Ming, Will Chamber, whoever your favorite tall person is. Andre the Giants. For those of you like old school WWF. God has given them a great land but there's big problems. This is bad. The nevertheless here is not a good contrast. It's a scary one for them. So all the information, now notice this, verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Therefore we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. You see what happens here? 
Everybody's got the same information. Notice that Caleb's response is not, that's not true. You notice that? He doesn't say, listen, no, 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 it's just camps, and there's little people there, and it's totally good, we're going to be totally fine. He doesn't say that. He says, no, no, listen, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now that, my friends, this is a powerful statement. He's saying, look, yes, there are big people, and there's all the ites in the land, the Jebusites, and the Canaanites, and the Amorites, and the Amalekites. Yes, all these people are in lands. And yes, the cities are fortified. And yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But we need to go right now because we are able to overcome it. See, now as I invite the worship team out to close this out, listen, everybody's got the same information. But for Caleb and Joshua, they realize that because God has promised it to them, they are able to overcome it. Sure, there are challenges ahead, but they are more than conquerors through him who loved them. Caleb is a man of faith. He's a man of faith. He says, look, we need to go up right now. I I love the urgency in the mouth of Caleb. He's not like, listen, we got to pass go and collect $200. We're going to take a little rest. We're going to get a little uh, spa treatment, and then we're going to go. He's like, no, we need to go right now. It's time. God has given us this land. And yes, there are huge challenges, but we are able to overcome it. And my friend, in the walk of faith that God has in front of you, you have to expect challenges. Following Jesus is not a spiritual slip and slide. There is obstacles in front of us, but a person of faith walks in saying, I know that there's going to be obstacles, but because of Jesus, him who loved me, I am more than conqueror. And that's why the end of Romans reads the way it does. Because it says, what shall separate us from the love of God? And he lists all these things, peril and nakedness and sword. All those things are real. Listen, there are challenges to follow Jesus. There's challenges to be used by God. But a person of faith will step on up, not because they can do it, but because they believe in a God who made us totally victorious. And I want to encourage those of you here who love Jesus You need to step up. Not because you got it, but because Jesus has got it. We got to stop shrinking back. There are challenges, absolutely, but we are able to overcome it. And there is an urgency. Jesus is real. Sometimes the obstacles in our path seem insurmountable. Today, Pastor Daniel encouraged you to believe that God will come through on what he's promised. Just like Caleb and Joshua, you can choose to take God at his word and trust that he'll do what he said he would. When you're confident that God has your back, you'll be able to take those scary steps of faith. You can step up because Jesus has it covered. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy. And the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be. And it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, you can. But only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. 
I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances of your life. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God delivers his people out of one situation so that he can bring them into something else, something better. You'll learn that you might have more in common with the Israelites than you think. You want God to take you out of the painful circumstances you're in, but like the Israelites, you're afraid and don't want to move into the better thing he's wanting to give you. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Wilderness. Until then, may God bless.